Let me be the first to say good afternoon. Um, if I had the power, I'd open up these windows and we could have a conversation, um, but we're not going to have, I don't have that power, so we'll just have the conversation as we set. Um, Gil, I've known for probably 15 plus years, and I still remember some of the things he taught me the first time we met, and I carry those things with me um, wherever I've worked at Intel and now at Campbell. Um, Mr. Paul Herman in the back taught me some things uh, when I first met him, and I carry those around with me as well. The, um, you know, I've been in, involved in this meeting now for three years. So I spoke a couple years ago when you were in a smaller version upstairs or in a different building. Uh, last year, they, wouldn't, they had enough of me, so they made me send my uh, VP of Investor Relations over here. But this is a crowd that knows what it's doing, right? This is a crowd in general. How many are from companies? How many are actually from for-profit companies? Not as many. Well, no, there's pretty, quite a few. How many are from um, Fortune 1000 companies? Okay, they're all standing at the back um, for some reason. The, um, my, my premise here, how many in the room have, you know, 10 things they could go back to their offices or their consulting firms or their agencies tomorrow and, and implement? If they had ultimate power, they could go back and put 10 things in place to make their businesses more sustainable or their sectors. How many have, like, 100 things they could go do tomorrow, right? That's my premise, right? So why, why haven't we been able to do them? How many CEOs of Russell 1000 companies are in the room? Okay, right? So we're not those people, right? If I was a CEO of Campbell Soup Company, um, $8 billion company, Pace, Pepperidge Farm, V8, Prego, Bolthouse Farms, Plum Organics, I'd just tell everybody what to do. I'd say, I want to do this. Let's go, right? HR, IT, marketing, finance. We're not them. Maybe we're not them yet, maybe we'll never be them, but the reality is today, we're not telling everybody what to do. We've got to use a bunch of other tools. And we can use these tools from the top of the company um, to the bottom of the company. Some of you probably feel you know, like this clownfish trying to steer this aircraft carrier, right? And, and you get a bunch of other fish with you, and you say, let's get together, and we're going to, you know, we'll put some metrics together, we'll raise it up to the chain, we'll see maybe somebody will like this stuff, and... You know, then, oh, somebody on my team member just got another job, you know, and, and now, you know, my, my, one of my fish are gone, and i got to get another fish. And there's other ways to do this. Um, it's okay doing this. It's fun work. I mean, it's really valuable work, what we do in companies. And it, it generates a lot of value to the company. I can prove it. I can show you results I've had, and I can feel good about the companies I've changed. But, I mean, it's hard work, and I'm going one company at a time. There's a lot of companies, Right. So we've got to think about other ways to get this done. But I think you also know you're not working from scratch. You've talked about things from the way consumers appreciate brands and how to activate not only feelings, emotions, what they think in terms of driving that into purchase intent early on. You can rank these things. You can use different pressures inside your company. We've talked about metrics and measures from valuing the people on the balance sheet to measuring and rolling up metrics that the CFO can use. This is a, just a snapshot of some of the tools I have at my company, right? This is from two um, annual reports ago, but this is just the executive office, right? I, you probably can't read them all, but, you know, I, I know some of these people on the left, so the guy on the left is my CFO, right? So I have a different set of tools I might use with him. HR, supply chain, Pepperidge Farm, R&D, now the woman in the middle is CEO, president of Pepperidge, um, chief legal officer, who I happen to work for, um, IT, 
So these are all places and metrics. I was going to show like an org chart, but that was a little boring. But, you know, I mean, basically, you should be able to carve out a piece on that org chart and not just list two or three things. List about 100 things that you want to try to drive. Not that you can personally do them, but you can plant the seeds and start the ball moving. So, like I said, we could have a conversation on any of these topics. I've got 11 minutes, and it's clicking down, and, you know, I'll stop when that clock stops. I may not get to all my slides. You can have whatever you want. There's no, there's no rocket science on these slides. I was sitting in the back of the room during the last conversation thinking, all right, now the kindergartner is going to go up and talk after all of this great stuff. But if you think about a way the company runs HR, how can you leverage sustainability, CSR, whatever you call it? How can you make HR better? Right? How can you use the trends in the marketplace today to make HR better? You can fold this stuff into how you recruit. You put it into the competencies. Put it into the interview questions. If you want these people in your company, do you have it in your HR recruiting process? Is it in there? Some of you may. Some of you may not. It's not going to happen overnight, but have a conversation. Write it down. I'm going to talk to the person that does the hiring in my company and figure out how I can start interviewing for sustainability. Onboarding. At Campbell, we were lucky enough to be able to have HR work with us for two years plus now. We've been doing a short module in new employee orientation on environmental sustainability, CSR. Cost us nothing. The payback, unmeasurable. I mean, everybody on day one knows what we focus on, knows what our goals are, knows how they can go back and work, not just in our organization, but all kinds. Training and development, you know, that's nice. I got them on day one, but, you know, part of my assignment that I have not been able to do for two years is develop a training for managers and leaders in the company. It's not that I don't need to do it. It's not that I don't want to do it. It's not that I don't have permission to do it. I just haven't gotten around to it. Some of these things are not successes. They're opportunities for me and what keep me up at night. Most big companies do org health surveys. They call them different things. Like Gallup, I heard earlier today, Conexta, the, the IBM bought that company. Fold some sustainability, whatever you want to use it, fold some metrics into that. Look at your language. Look at your culture. Some of the easy things that we were able to do early on, performance evaluations. Very simple. Just put it in there. Find the person that owns the performance evaluation system have a talk with them. Figure out if you can stick this in there. You may lose that battle the first couple of years, but it, you'll get it. The incentive compensation piece is interesting. Now, this is one I've talked to Koyan about a couple of people. This has been evolutionary, not revolutionary, but evolutionary in both the last companies I've worked at. It's been something I've been, like, pounding on since I got there. At Campbell, early on, I was able to kind of cobble together a set of sustainability metrics in our executive compensation program. And they range from binary metrics, get the first report out, set your targets and goals, launch the program in the community. There were other ones in there around safety, diversity, um, and wellness products in the marketplace. And it was great because they were one of like the 12 key factors. We'd roll them up every quarter to the corporate officers. The board would see them. They would make comp decisions on them. But it was a mix of 75 different metrics in a balanced scorecard. Strategic, operational, marketplace, financial. That went on for a couple years, but it really did get lost in the noise. We did okay. We raised awareness. I could say people's compensation was affected by sustainability. Had a new CEO two years ago, right, 2000, well, 2010, um, 2011. Basically said, old CEO, too many metrics. I'm throwing it all out. We're going to have three. Um, I didn't get in the metric set that year. Right? It was more like, you know, make money, earnings per share, uh, marketplace growth. But I got back in next year, the year after. 
went back to the table and said, you need to put this back in. I'm telling you it's a competitive advantage for you as Campbell, and it really makes a difference. So they, at that point, they said, all right, well, create it for us. What should we do? So we created a corporate responsibility index, an index metric, weighted ethical performance, ethics and safety, um, investigations, training, ethical code of conduct training, weighted 40%. A performance metric, environmental, energy, water, and waste per ton of food produced. Year-over-year reductions, you get credit for, and if you meet certain thresholds, you get basically extra credit for, 40%. 20% was how the external world perceives us. Using a couple different screens externally, one taking a look at process, one taking a look at transparency, how are we rated externally, and come up with that metric. That was last year. It's now one of just seven operational metrics. The total number went from 75 to 23, and it's in this balanced scorecard. Every quarter it goes to the officers, and every quarter it goes to the board of directors. Much more important. And this year we got even better, more granular about what you lose, what happens when you miss your metric, and what happens when you exceed it. So it's not, and recognition is a lot of, there's a lot of things you can do to put this in place. Okay, six minutes to go through the, all the other functions on the org chart. Um, we won't do that, though. I'm just going to pick out a couple. Innovation and R&D. We touched on this. I, I kind of heard it come in and out a little bit, um, but this is a huge opportunity. Now, R&D is different in the consumer product sector than it is in the IT sector. It, one is more of a driver. One is more of a, a service function. So you have to understand how your R&D function works. But it's pretty simple to put in place questions in packaging development. Can I make the package lighter? Can I put more recycled content into it? Can I make it more recyclable at the end of life? I mean, my sixth grade kid, when he was in sixth grade, would understand those questions. A packaging engineer with a master's in you know, packaging design should be able to ask those questions. You just need to train it and put it in place. Then there's taking, well, the other thing we can do, you know, one of the, they can help drive some of our directional metrics. I'll touch on those in, a, in another slide. If you set directional metrics, you kind of put tension in the system, some long-term metrics that you know you can't make, that you give people permission to fail. If they don't have permission to fail, they're never going to try anything new. So you have to build that, you have to build that flexibility into the system. The other thing you can help, we, the people in this room, can help innovation in R&D is drive competitive advantage in areas that your company owns, right? We're not going to be the best at everything, but we can drive competitive advantage because we're the ones trying to look around the corner, right? Sustainability, whatever you call us in this room, we're predicting what's next. And we can help these groups look around the corner and make better decisions on ingredients, packaging, some strategic partnerships, as well as drive scenario planning for them. So this was just the last conversation, right? Some topics in here. Um, how many of you have had a conversation with the people that run enterprise risk management in your company? A couple of them. So these people aren't always thinking like we're thinking. You know, a lot of the stuff that we talk about in this kind of forum we view as enterprise risk. They don't always think of this as enterprise risk. They're, they think a lot more in terms of uh, business continuity um, what, what, and, and money, right, capital risk. But we can help them extend that. You can also try to get things put in the 10K. You know, you get, you'll talk a little bit more about integrated reporting and the trends and back and forth. Those are big picture things. I'm much more focused on transactional things I can drive. Can I get some metrics in the 10K around this? Um, 
We talked about business value metrics. I'm not going to get into all that. I, I do think that I'm a big fan. Some of you in the room know it. I'm a big believer in the power of social investors and the way they interact with for-profit large companies. Um, building strong relationships with them have helped me for years. And taking that information and sharing it inside the company has helped me as well. There's, we could talk all day on procurement. Um, but I'm not going to because I have three minutes left now. Just let me see what is, what's interesting up here. I mean, one of the things that we can... Procurement has really stepped up in my organization. They have gone from a passive kind of organization saying that's your job to actually hiring a sustainability analyst, put in their organization, taking goals and metrics, and driving it. They've stepped up to the plate, and that's my long-term goal is to embed that resource. But if I can help them take public policy positions on issues that are coming before they're here... If I can help them put things in place in the supply chain, rank and rate your suppliers. Develop a very simple supplier scorecard if you don't have one. Steal somebody else's if you want, right? Use your customer's supplier scorecard for your suppliers. There's all kinds of things that we can help procurement with as well. And then manufacturing, you know, we set in 2010 decoupling metrics for our environmental footprint. So double the size of the company, keep your environmental footprint the same, or reduce your environmental footprint in half. Um, for the same amount of uh, food produced. This has been a challenge, right? This, is a, this company has been around for 145 years. Um, you, we're pushing them to do things they have never done before, and some of them love it, and some of them are you know, a little uncomfortable with it. But if we can help them design in, you know, DFE was a common, design for environment was a common mantra in the tech world. It's not so common in the food world. But doesn't, there's no reason it can't be common. Reward, recognize, put in little recognition systems that give these people a platform. Give them credit. These are people that are driving your environmental footprint. Find ways to measure, find ways to give them credit. And you also need to build, give them some risk opportunity. They cannot get hit every time they fail. Right? These are the people you want taking risks in your company, smart risks. And work with, the, work with those people in those organizations. Find out what they're measured on and build your metrics around it. And then just a few others. Um, there was one, we just had a conversation, I was having it at breakfast this morning, around the conversation we had this morning around metrics and the, the role of the consumer. We get insights in all the time. Consumer product companies get insights. And we see them, we see them. There goes sustainability, walk right in and walk right out. There goes corporate social responsibility, there goes innovation. We're saying, well, no, no, get those, keep those, right? Don't throw those away. Um, but we can help inform our consumer insights group and turn that into actionable behavior. Right now, we just got this great research that kind of talks about what people think about Campbell, what they, what they feel like we are as a person, and what of those things we can activate to drive their purchase intent. And they're all in our space. Every one of them is in our space. And if we can help the company kind of understand that and act on it, we have to help them a little bit. We can't do it for them. It becomes sticky, and we can drive it. My time is up, right? I think that's probably my... Last slide. We basically tried to build an architecture around this to execute on it. But um, if we have any time, which is already 15 minutes late, I'm happy to answer any questions. Okay, thank you very much. I, I learn a ton from you every time also. There we go. So thank you. Um, questions from anybody? Can you get the mics out in the room, please? Uh, Dave, thanks for inspiring us and all your hard work at Campbell's and Intel. And I'm glad we can all be clownfish. Um, so your metrics that you built your index around, it yes. sounds like it was about trust 
and environment. So 40 was trust, 20 was in, 40 was environment, and 20 was trust again, sort of market trust. Right. Um, but you didn't say anything about health, and you talked about healthy communities. So where do, where do health and any other sustainability metrics fit in now in the balance scorecard? Yeah, so um, that's a good point. And I, I really don't think about them as broken up. And the, the corporate responsibility index that I do roll up does not include a health. I mean, it includes safety, right? So it includes kind of acute health. Um, so if you get hurt, that shows up in that world. Um, but it doesn't include the health and wellness metrics. It also doesn't include the health and wellness metrics about what we're trying to drive in Camden, which some of you know, it's where we're investing a lot of our social impact work. Um, those have shown up in the earlier version, like launch the program, set the goals, set the targets. And there are health and wellness metrics that are showing up in the HR part of the scorecard. So it's the same quadrant, right, strategic, operational, marketplace, financial. And now there's 23 overall metrics. I have one. Um, so it's showing up in other places, but it's not rolled up in the corporate responsibility metric right now. But you did talk a couple of years ago about, about health metrics in relation to your product and your customers. I mean, yes. you know, it comes back to the question of what business are you really in? Well, it's recycled paper in our office, but what are we selling to our customers? And you've developed a tiered structure of moving the nutritional profile. Right. And, and the product and that, mix. Right. That came up in the morning conversation too, right? About, you know, we can make a bigger difference by actually being a better company through, nobody's going to, we're not going to make people healthy if they don't buy our food. Right. Right. Um, so we did. We're forced, and I just had another meeting on this yesterday forcing the company to kind of come to grips with matching SKU-level data, which is sales, to nutritional profiles of the products from energy, calories, sodium, fats, oils, good whole grains, positives, you know, A, C, and E, vitamins. And that has been extremely valuable to drive, also very difficult. Um, you know, the SAP guy, he's still here, right? I see him in the back corner. You know, that's another thing. Go talk to your IT group, say, how much of my data is tagged in SAP? And you'd be surprised, maybe, that you have a ton of it, and you may be surprised that there's very little usable that you're trying to drive, and you've got you to push and pull with your IT organization to go back and tag that data. We do not have it tagged globally for food, and it's a food company, right? I mean, um, same with the HR metrics, right, for interface. We're in the same boat wherever she went. Uh, it's same thing. You know, it's, a, it's amazing the challenges in the data sets in these big companies. And we need to measure what matters, and we don't even we can't even measure what's there yet. Thank you. Thanks.